0: And we are live. Welcome. I am Mandy Kay, and thank you for joining me for my very first episode of my podcast. Whoop, whoop. Uh, so, you are not going to get any fancy professional intro to this podcast. Look, I tried. I really tried, and it sounded completely wanky. And I just think that we're craving far more authenticity from the people that we listen to in the podcasting world. So here I am, raw and real and straight into it. Cause let's be honest, most of the time I just fast forward through those intros anyway. So let's not waste any time. Welcome to Find Your Calling, the podcast. So it's a really big time on the planet. And I think those of us that are conscious and aware and tapped into what's happening, we see what a significant shift is occurring. Like we've just had an election here in Australia and the biggest election issue for voters was climate change. Thank the Lord. Um, Yeah, it's really... Full on what's actually occurring across the world, and many of us care very deeply about the inequities, the injustices, and the complete rampant destruction that capitalism is doing to our world. And we want to make a difference, and you and I are the same that way, uh, and this podcast is about helping you find your way to the work that your soul is calling you to do to contribute to creating a better world a better future for all of us and finding your way through the myriad of confusion that you might be feeling that sense of stuckness Uh, the sense of overwhelm when you don't know what it is that you actually want to do and what your next steps are meant to be. But you just know that there is something else for you to be doing than what you're doing right now. And you really are ready to find what that is. So this podcast is going to serve you in that journey. So over 10 years ago, I began work as a career coach at a university And I've coached and lectured thousands of students over the seven years that I was there. And so I'm really well versed in supporting people in career transitions. And I know very, you know, I know a lot about the rational and academically based ways to navigate careers and all the very practical things like resumes and interview skills and networking. But one thing that I felt completely stemmed by, by being at the university, was not being able to talk about the thing that has most fundamentally served me in my own career journey, which is a deep connection to my soul and my inner guidance and tapping into divine serendipity and the incredible role that trust and surrender Uh, plays in my own career. And so this is my expression of all that I have actually learned about really tapping into soul and actually expressing what it is that you are deeply called to do in each moment. And to be honest, finding your calling, finding your purpose does not need to be more complicated than following the call of your soul. And it might look completely different for each and every one of us. And it may actually look different for you depending on different points in your life. And it certainly has for me. And I'm going to share some of my own stories about my navigating, finding my calling. So let's start with a little bit of the backstory about me. So I have always wanted to make a difference Uh, In high school, I was the small town country girl who was the weirdo writing letters to the editor protesting the local rodeo coming to town. I was delivering passionate speeches about human rights issues to an audience of country kids who were possibly just thinking I was an alien. Uh, I also volunteered at the local nursing home in a small town. I lived in Holbrook during my high school years, which is in the Riverina area of Australia. It had a, a population of about 1,500 people. For those of you in Australia, it's that weird country town halfway between Sydney and Melbourne with a big submarine in the middle of it which is really random. Anyway, I used to volunteer at the local nursing home and they actually thought I was on court-ordered community service because they couldn't understand why any teenager in town would willingly want to volunteer their time. And look, I think it's because I grew up with uh, a sister with a disability. Uh, my dear sister, Angela, who's two years younger than me, has Down syndrome as and uh, is on the autism spectrum. And yeah, I just think I grew up as a result of that, more compassionate, more aware, and wanting to do things for others and to contribute to a better world. So then when I was 16, my dad unexpectedly died and that totally rocked my world. To this date, I've still not experienced grief like I experienced when he left. And I think that has also developed my sense of compassion for the human experience, because grief and loss is such a big part of it and to experience it at such a young age uh, has shaped me. And it also made me question at the time, what the hell is the purpose of this life if suddenly we can just die? <laughs> and thankfully at the time, my mum had already done a lot of reading and exploration of her own about consciousness and spirituality. And when I was asking her about, you know, what is the meaning of all of this? She told me, you have to find what the meaning is for yourself and suggested that one way that I could start to explore that was by reading and pointed to the bookshelf. And one of the books that I read was Embraced by the Light by Betty Eady. At the time, it was one of the more well-documented near-death experiences. And it completely opened me up to the non-physical aspects of life, of being a soul, of actually awakening within me a consciousness of my own soul. And I remember very distinctly, actually, on the bus, actually, it was on an excursion for school and feeling like I was reading the book and I felt the light of Spirit just open and crack open my heart, and that was the beginning of my own spiritual journey. However, it didn't actually shape my early career choices like you would think it would. I still did what I thought I was meant to do. Followed in the footsteps of my brother. Went and got a business degree. And ended up marrying my childhood sweetheart and by the age of 23 years old I was living in a home we owned with a mortgage of course and so I was married, had a house, we, were, we had an investment property, had a budding new business career after graduating and, you know, I thought I did everything that I was meant to do in order to be happy from a material world perspective and what society conditions us to believe will make us happy. And yet I wasn't happy. I felt empty and emotionally I wasn't coping. Uh Obviously a lot of unresolved trauma from, you know, my father's death and I took myself off to a beach. I love the beach. Looking out at the horizon to me is just one of my happy places. And I journaled at that point and I was asking myself, when you look back at your life, Mandy, how will you judge yourself to be successful? And I realized that for me, success was going to be following my heart and my inner guidance and knowing that I wasn't driven by fear in the choices that I made in my life. And I had to be really honest with myself that the fear of the unknown was driving me far more to stay with my husband and that love that I'd always known from when we were young. He asked me out when I was like two weeks before my 14th birthday and... I realized, I was like, well, fear was keeping me there more than love, and so I leapt, and I mean, that was such a big leap for me at the time that I got the uh, symbol for strength tattooed on my back, and I love the fact that I've got this permanent symbol on me about that time, because, you know, as the years have gone on, hindsight's a wonderful thing that says, well, of course, that was going to be the right thing, like... (laughs) I know that some people find their their truth and their their love for life when they're in their early twenties, but I think most of us are just needing to explore life in the twen in our twenties. So it makes a lot of sense from my vantage point now, but at the time, it was a huge leap. And I remember sitting on my boss's spare bedroom floor because I had nowhere else to live at that point. And I was filled with complete equal measures of excitement and terror for what I had just done. Like it was the scariest thing I'd ever done in my life at that point. And I realized that I was completely terrified for the unknown about what was going to happen next. But I was really also exhilarated that suddenly all these possibilities had opened up to me. And... Actually, it's interesting that I have learned since then that our brains light up in exactly the same way whether we are feeling fear or whether we're feeling excitement. And I also learned through that process that our true paths can also feel scary. I often call it the path of the brave because the path of our soul will call us to stretch us in ways that help us grow. Uh, we have to get out of our comfort zone and so, really, it was after leaving my marriage that I set off to follow my inner guidance. And that quest took me around the world. I lived in London. I had a range of different social impact careers. Uh, I explored my God consciousness in psychedelic workshops. I ended up selling my apartment that I had after my marriage uh, and ended up volunteering in Romania travel blogged my way through a 4,000-kilometre hitchhiking trip from Alaska to Canada, and that was right after scoring a role in Couchsurfing International, which at the time, pre-Airbnb, was something that changed my life and many others. So, if you are a fellow Couchsurfer out there listening to this, uh, all love and power to you, like those early years of couchsurfing were one of the most special years of my life. Now, if you don't know couchsurfing, it's a social network where people stay in each other's homes rather than staying in hostels. And it was built on the premise that we could build intercultural understanding and connection with one another around the world if we just knew and spent time with one another. And I loved it. It was Oh, God, it just changed my life. Like just the human kindness I experienced from people meeting me and letting me stay in their homes and showing me their cities and their towns and their life. And anyway, I ended up being their communications manager at a time where they didn't have money to pay people. So we volunteered our services and they would put us up in what they called collectives. I lived in Thailand and Alaska with the crew there from people all around the world. And it was such a way of expressing service to the world while also having a really good time. I was in my late 20s by that point and had a lot, a lot of fun with that crew. But a pivotal moment in my life came when the next collective after – Alaska was going to be San Francisco. They were going to set up base camp there, a a headquarters, and I wasn't invited to go with them. So my role came to an end. And I've learned from that point that sometimes when we need to take a different direction, we will be forced to. We'll have an unexpected end to a role. We we might be made redundant. We might have an illness. You might be experiencing one of those things right now that has sent you on the search for what it is that you are really meant to be doing at this crossroads in your life. Um, And I certainly had that point for me. And I returned back to Australia. I felt completely lost and directionless. I did what I normally did, which was I started applying for jobs that, you know, were in my field in project management, communications, but I didn't really want them. I was just sort of going through the motions of thinking what I needed to do uh, or doing what I thought I needed to do. And I know that I wanted more for my life and I know I wanted more purpose, but I had no idea what that was at the time. And so something just called me to just focus on my healing and I gave up smoking. I was in my early 30s by this point and started doing meditation. I went off on a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat and through all of this cleansing and healing that I was doing while just couch surfing actually at a friend's house, I started hearing this little voice saying, go and learn Reiki in Byron Bay And for those of you that don't know, um, about Australian, Australia, um, locations, Byron Bay is quite a mecca for healers. It's where I live right now. And, you know, every second person is a healer or a yoga instructor around here. And anyway, I didn't actually know much about Reiki at the time. I had no ideas or feelings about being a healer. And it's not something I uh, had ever pictured for myself, but this incessant little voice that said, go and learn Reiki in Byron Bay. I tried to actually bargain with that little voice. I thought it would be far more convenient to learn Reiki in Brisbane, which is where I was living at the time. However, when I was searching for Reiki masters, none of them felt right. And I will talk a lot about intuition and what a powerful tool that is to know what is right for you in your next steps, because the body is such a barometer of our soul and our inner guidance. And it speaks to us about what is right for us and what's not by how we feel, and learning Reiki in Brisbane didn't feel right. So I thought, fine, I'll go to Byron. I lived, I had a wagon, I thought, I'll pack it up, I'll go and live in Byron for a few weeks, learn this Reiki thing, go back to Brisbane, get a real job, and sort my life out. Well, I ended up couch surfing with a woman who lived just outside of Mullumbimbi at the start of my trip. The place that this woman lived was a forest not far from town, surrounded by nature, but she was up high with views across a valley all the way down to the ocean, so you could see the horizon in the distance. And I thought that it was one of the most magical places that I had visited in my travels. And I said as such to her after a few days, exclaiming how beautiful the place was. And she just looked over at me and said, well, you can rent the spare bedroom from me if you like. I'm looking for someone to share the space with. And in that very moment, I knew that it was my yes. I just knew that regardless of the fact that I had no plan, I didn't know anyone in the area. I didn't have any work lined up. I knew that this was serendipity in action and that it was a yes. Everything inside of me said, absolutely. <laughs> and as t- as things unfolded, I ended up in that place on my own. She left shortly after I had arrived to move in and I felt So privileged and blessed to have this off the grid sanctuary all to myself. And you would think that it would be calm sailing from that point. However, when we don't know what's ahead of us, when the pathway isn't clear, uh, when we don't know where our next paycheck's going to come from or what things are going, you know, how things are going to look in the future our left brain that's so logical just basically sends messages to panic. (laughs) It's like, I can't see what's happening here in the future. We don't have any security. Therefore, you have a reason to be in fear and to panic. And that absolutely happened to me. And this beautiful woman had left a card for me uh, with the quote on it. Uh, In order to discover new horizons, you must first lose sight of the shore. And I can remember so clearly in those moments where waves of anxiety would rise up within me of wondering if I'd lost my mind, (laughs) suddenly being in the middle of this forest, isolated from the world in an area that I knew no one, (laughs) whether I'd really fully lost it. And just reading that quote and feeling that sense of peace and reassurance that all that's happened is I've lost sight of the shore and new horizons are on their way. I did end up studying Reiki. I connected to a Reiki master actually through picking up a hitchhiker who wanted to be dropped off at a healing center in Byron Bay. And I followed an intuitive nudge of mine to look at whether or not there are any Reiki masters there who were teaching. Uh, And lo and behold, there was. And Devi Ma is still a beautiful mentor of mine. And I studied all of my Reiki levels with her uh, in my first year in the forest. And it was one of those lessons for me in my life that says, you know what, those intuitive nudges we get don't always necessarily mean that that's the thing that we are actually going to end up doing uh, long-term. It's just the next right step. I've never practiced Reiki professionally in my work. However, it's a powerful healing uh, modality for myself and my my beautiful family and friends, uh, but yeah, I was never destined, or at this point, I don't feel that I'm destined to, you know, be a Reiki master who teaches and practices professionally. But it was the next right step that I needed to take to get me onto my path and get me to the forest, and. The other thing that I was doing in that time of healing and soul-searching uh, in in that beautiful sanctuary that I affectionately call The Forest was I was devouring personal development books. And through that, I started wondering, well, what did all of these people do, you know, who are writing all of these books? And a, and a large proportion of them studied and were coaches, which led me to study uh, life coaching. And with some help of serendipity, after I finished studying, which I'll share in another episode, I landed a job as a career and disability advisor at a local university. In many ways, that job was a great fit for me. And it was, to date, the longest job I've ever had. I was there for seven years. I met some wonderful students and colleagues over that time. And if any of you are listening right now, thank you so much for being here with me. I love you and I love the work that we did together. But I always felt like there was something more that I should be doing. And I felt like I'd really found that when I launched my own business, Soul Strategies, which was aimed at career coaching for other change makers. And in 2016, near the end of that year, I held the first iteration of my Find Your Calling course. And I will actually be launching that uh, online later this year. So stay tuned for that. And once I had done that course and was working with some incredible clients who were finding their way through the confusion and the stuckness of knowing they wanted to do something to help make our world a better place but didn't know what and watching their journey and the directions they took was so satisfying and I thought, I've found my path. This is what I want to do and it just lit me up and it lit my soul up and I just loved it. And then in early 2017, I had my Jill Bolte moment. And if you don't know who Jill Bolte is, she did a really interesting TED talk, which I think is called "A Stroke of Insight." And she was a brain scientist who had a stroke, and she talks about what an incredible privilege it was to be a brain scientist who was semi-conscious of the fact that they were having a stroke and an experience of something that they were studying and had studied over the course of their career. Now, I didn't have a stroke, but I did have the experience of being a coach, supporting people through career transitions and being somebody who had studied and taught so much about navigating career changes, suddenly having my own career journey take an unexpected turn. And it would look like I was completely taken off course in my career. It was totally unpredictable. It was definitely unplanned and it deepened my sense of faith in a divine plan that we all have. And the power of surrendering to that and trusting the inner knowing and inner guidance that we get and just letting go of control. And it's made me realize more than ever that navigating our soul's purpose and our true path does not need to be more complicated than trusting our souls and having the faith that it knows the best and quickest way to get us to where we need to go, even if in the process it looks like a complete and utter detour and potentially a little bit of chaos. And so tune into episode two, where I will give you the lowdown and the highlights of my journey over those years and how much I've learned about surrender, serendipity, intuition, and letting go of control and just trusting the process of our soul's path. And... Thank you so much for being here. I'm just so glad to finally get this out into the world. I, My intention with this podcast is that you will find inspiration and hope and feel supported on your own journey towards finding that work that your soul is calling you to do because we both want a better world for ourselves and all the generations to come. And I just feel really lucky to be here with you. So thank you. I'll see you on episode two. If you are soul searching for what's next in your career, doors are now open to my signature program, Find Your Calling. This is a powerful 12 weeks that will awaken you to what your soul is calling you to do. After an incredible five years of following my own soul and serendipity to unexpected, expansive opportunities, I am so excited to share all I know so you can experience the same thrill in your life and work. This will be a sacred journey with a group of like-minded changemakers and leaders. You will learn practical principles from my many years as a university career coach, as well as the spiritual principles that will align you more deeply with your soul. You'll work directly with me on live fortnightly calls where you can get all your questions answered, along with having materials and resources across six key modules, an online forum for support between calls, and a ton of great bonuses, including a private one-on-one session with me. If you're ready to get clear on what's next for you and feel more fulfilled and on purpose, then go to soulstrategies.co forward slash calling for all the details. Our first call kicks off on the 19th of August and I'd love to have you join us.